I did not. I mean, how do you deal with that kind of rage? I don't know how um, God protected me, um, you know, today, because all it needed was just one response that she did not like. And then she would have, she would have used her own phone to do whatever she wanted to do. And she bonded both children and she left. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombad, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living African. And today we will be talking about domestic abuse or intimate partner violence, which is a very important topic of discussion in the African community. So through the years, abuse has been somewhat normalized in relationships and in our community at large. There have been many examples of abuse that have led to a loss of life. And um, most of the times we only talk about abuse against women, but we seem to ignore the fact that actually abuse or domestic abuse or intimate partner violence against men actually exists. So um, I have some you know, some facts here that I just, some statistics that I just wanted to talk about. So some 1.2 million women and about 700,000 men actually experience domestic violence each year, according to the Office of National Statistics. And according to a study, Africa has some of the highest prevalence rates of intimate partner violence in the world. So today I will be talking to an old friend who has chosen to be anonymous and will go by the name Olufemi. And I will be calling him Femi for short. And he chose to become anonymous because obviously there are kids involved. And um, so he really wanted to be cautious about, you know, um, involving the kids who's, in a sense, should be protected at each at, at every means and also protecting them um, from any kind of emotions that this episode might trigger. So um, I just want to welcome you, Femi, to this episode, and I am super excited um, to speak with you. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, um, I mean, in case the audience doesn't know, I mean, of course you're anonymous, but I've known you for, I would say, almost over 20 years now. And yeah. You've yeah. always been that respectable, calm, funny big brother who you would never <laughs> find getting mad, like always like just jovial and cracking jokes. And um, I mean, you basically most of the stuff that you know we'll be talking about will actually be the very first time that I'll be hearing about it. And I don't know how yeah. I'm going to react or how that would affect me, but these are the kind of stories that, you know, are very needed in our community, you yeah. know, and, and obviously, first of all, I would really love to thank you very much for the very courageous step that you have taken to open up to the world and be this vulnerable because most stories of abuse or divorce on this platform have always been women. And though I know many other men who have similar stories worth telling, it has been truly challenging for them to speak up because they're either not ready or, you know, the male ego gets in the way of their vulnerability, mm -hmm. which I mean, I think it's understandable. So I can't really thank you enough for giving other men a voice through your experience and your story. So um, I think we'll just um, go straight to the to the point. Now, this is a sad story of domestic abuse that had a tragic end ending in divorce. Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to have two parts to this. So the first will be focused on 
domestic abuse. And then the second part will be focused on the divorce aspect of it, even though both parts may overlap. So um, I just call on the audience to be very vigilant and also to be very patient with us because I'm super excited about this discussion. And um, this is something that I believe is strongly needed because it's rarely spoken about. So um, so just Femi, just walk us through the start of the relationship. Um, how did you get to meet your 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 ex-wife and you know just the start of everything? Yes, thank you so much. And this is amazing. To be honest with you, this is very therapeutic for me to even just talk about it. I mean, it's a couple of years have gone by, so you know, I'm in a more stable place, you know what I mean? Yeah, so this it all started, we were in. Of course, obviously now we're in the United States, we're in another country. It was a work setting that I met this person. And, you know, I was more in a, in a senior level position, if I might put it that way. And yeah. um, the way we came together was that she had her own issues and I was the quote unquote big brother. Right. And so it was purely, is it platonic? It was, it was a pure relationship. There yeah. were no, uh, yes, there was nothing attached to it. This happened for a couple of months until she traveled um, to the United Kingdom. So um, how did the relationship start? Like, how did it progress? Um, I mean, when did you guys start dating? Just like, tell us about the dynamics of the relationship, the relationship and how it's, you felt at the start. This is an interesting question. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of reflecting, you know, as we ask the questions, like, how did it really start? Because in the work environment where we were in the other country, um, you know, it, it, was, it was not just her. There were a group of younger people that were, you know, that were under my tutelage and things like that. So, there was, so it was not like someone was isolated, but over time, I started developing the feelings. I, I mean, by the time I expressed it, she was already out of the country. Right. And um, so we kind of started text message style, um, you know, <laughs> um, snail mail style. Yeah. You write a letter now and it takes three months to get to the other person and things like that. Mm -hmm. And apparently I, um, I see, to be honest with you, I still have some of the text messages, not on my phone. I have, I have them on my diary, but anyways, long story short. So it kind of progressed like that. And for about six months, I showed more interest, you know, than, than, you know, than she did. And yeah. um, because, I mean, she was in, she was in the UK then. And so she had a whole life of her own going on. In fact, I will later learn that that's because she was also, she was dating someone or a couple of people there. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, so things just went like that. There was a period of silence for about one, two, three, four, or maybe even four years. And then I traveled to the United States. The mm -hmm. communication was still very, it was very sporadic. You know, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. So yeah. when she had an issue, she would reach out to me, you know, just drawing you back to how it kind of started, yeah. you know, when, I, you know, when, when I walk her through it, then she goes back to her old life and things like that until she mentioned at some point that she was planning to visit, um, some, she was planning to travel to, to the United States for some, um, you know, for some responsibilities. And then mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, why don't we, why don't we meet up? You know, and that's how it kind of started. And so mm -hmm. when we met up, I expressed my interest for, I express my interest for her. So um, I, I must say that, um, I don't know if you'll get into too many details or not, but anyways, I expressed my interest for her, which she did not respond immediately. She yeah. traveled back to the UK, you know, took some time and then responded affirmatively. And I, I would really say that that is when the relationship started formally, you know, even though she was back to the UK and then I was here in the United States. So right. long distance things going on. Okay. Yeah. Well, how was the long distance um, relationship for you at that time? Because um, I mean, long distance relationships are not an easy thing. And, you know, there are a lot of um, red flags that could be missed from a long distance relationship um, compared to when you are actually with that person every single day so how was that how what were the dynamics of that relationship and also like were there any red flags that you you know you saw through the years like if so what were they you know um i mean allow me quote the scripture which says that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh 
So what that, how that translates to a long distance relationship is that, of course, yes, there's a lot of limitations. This wasn't just a long distance relationship. Let me just say between maybe one person's in California and the other person is in maybe go up north to Washington state. Right. But this is, this is transatlantic long distance relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was, it was very different. Communication was expensive, um, you know, a couple of years back, you know, and things yeah. like that. So, um, but going back to the scripture, I just quoted that out of the abundance of the heart. Over time, as you talk, we spend a lot of time on the phone. You get to really figure out what people's value systems are, what they really believe in and what, you know, and what they don't. And then it's when, as the conversation went on, on over the phone, we spend a lot of hours just talking on the phone, sometimes emails and things like that. And so it began to dawn on me gradually that the person, I had an expectation, the person I thought I knew back in, you know, in our African country yeah. was not the same person that was, you know, in the UK. So but it was kind of hard. It, to be honest with you, my, my age mates, my friends, they were all already married. No one was really putting pressure on me per se, but I mean, there was some sort of pressure. Yeah. And if I may just be a little bit more vulnerable, I wasn't, I wasn't dating anyone, not yeah. when we were in that country and not even when she had traveled. Yeah. So it, it, it felt like it has to be this person. Yeah. My, my big mistake there, if I may say that in retrospect, because now, even though with the long distance relationships, you talked about red flags. Oh, yes, there were so many red flags over times. There were times that she would literally just, <laughs> just disappear. This yeah. I'm telling, I'm in the United States. She is in another country, you know, different time zones you, and things like that. And someone would just go, would just go for like three days with, wow. with, without any explanation. So it made it even harder. But somewhere within me, I, 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 if I may just, <laughs> I felt like, I think in a way I was enabling it because mm -hmm. even when I tried to call her out on it and, you know, and, and she said something which didn't make sense. And, and there were a lot of lies. When I say lies, I mean lies. Mm -hmm. But somehow within me, I kept feeling like I can fix it. Hmm. So I think that was, you know, that was in retrospect, again, like I said, that was a very big, very big, very, very big um, error on my, on my part. And, right. and, and as things progressed, this is, I don't know where my mind was, where my heart was, what I was thinking about. I don't necessarily think I was in a desperate um, position. I, I don't think it was a lack of, of, um, I don't think it was a lack of, you know, of the right kind of advice or something about esteem and or things like that. But yeah. for some reason, I was just trying to fix it. I had a picture of this person I knew yeah. and I thought that I could change someone. That is so wrong <laughs> in yeah. every level. And yeah. yeah, so I just kept, I just kept going at it. I, I mean, I just, I felt myself, as with the passage of time, I just felt myself going down, hmm. going low um, spiritually, going low emotionally, going low even mentally. Why? Yeah. Because I was trying to fix someone. When, I, when she started exposing herself to me, like what she'd really, really been through and, and things like that, yeah. I instead got myself more committed. More committed. To, to the point where I actually started seeing um, a therapist here in the United States, yeah. not for my own issues, but, <laughs> but for someone else's issues, which was generating issues for me and ask me why I still was there. I just cannot explain to you, you know, why I just kept going on with, you know, with the whole thing, because it went on and on. And I'm, so, I'm sure somewhere she felt like, oh, wow, it looks like this young man has a high pain or a high tolerance, tolerance threshold. Yes. Yeah, so she pushed. Yes, and just to be honest, in, um, that is kind of my nature. I don't cry pain easily, you mm -hmm. know, and so I was, I kept absorbing and that is what was pushing me to the, ther to the therapist. And I did not realize that, you know, I was bringing, you know, I was bringing things upon myself, you know, that I, um, that I, that I, sh that I shouldn't, you know, so that is how it went. And, you know, it almost came across like you are the only person to fix me. And, you know, like you talk about the male ego, the, mm -hmm. do we have this, we have this innate tendency to want to fix things. And I thought this was yeah. an opportunity. All of those, <laughs> all of those testosterone, testosterone things just woke up in me and I was really at it, you know, to, to fix it. It took me 
a very good portion of time, years to start to realize, you know, you know how far I've gone and, and how wrong things were. Because from just going back to some of the conversations, some of the things that we we're talking about, I don't think I was the only one <laughs> that she was seeing. So she was not as invested yeah, she wasn't as invested. Yes, in the relationship as I was. You know, I was there with my sweat, my tears, my blood, my body, soul, spirit, financially and otherwise, you name it. Right. So, I mean, I literally took over her life. And um, I usually, I make a joke that no lady has really, I know it is the wrong word to use to talk about money. We don't eat money, we use it. Yes, I really kind of brag that no lady has really, I've not spent my money on a lady carelessly or things like that but this was one opportunity that I um I think they took <laughs> the logical part out of my brain <laughs> yes and then I just went for it I literally just took over her life you know her upkeep her whatever she needed from that point she made multiple um travels to the United States and I sponsored all of those things yeah. and 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 you know as things unfolded as you know as time went by she too finally moved to the United States because um, at one of the times when she visited the U.S., I proposed to her mm -hmm. and then we, you know, we signed in court. And so we know that this is, was a journey that we, we had to go through. And so finally she moved to the United States, I filed for her and she, over time, she got her papers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you would imagine two people in a relationship, a man and a woman who are like, oh, we are so glad to have each other, you know, as, you know, not in a, not in a codependent kind of relationship, but an in interdependent kind of relationship, yeah. you know, complementing each other, completing each other and, and things like that. So, but I, I, what I was hearing is someone talking about how they are so happy, you know, I was speaking in, I'm in front of you, but you're all talking in third persons. I'm so happy that I left my I left my previous life there. It's not like I'm so happy to be with you. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah. I started feeling like I was forcing things, but you know, this is the thing. If you don't get out early enough, the more you get in, even if it's an abusive relationship, the harder it is to, you know, to kind of walk your way backwards and get out of it. It takes, it's more difficult once, right. you, once you're already in. So at that point, my fix, my fix her instinct, you know, my fix her, whatever you want to call it, were already in display mm -hmm. and that's what I was trying to do even when she moved to the United um, moved to the United States and wow. things like that yeah she moved here before I knew it I mean <laughs> she had never lived here before um, wow. but before I knew it you know it, it we were already in an adulterous um, relationship you know she was already seeing someone I don't know wow. someone wow. or I don't know if it was more than one I, I mean I'm not saying that you're accusing someone I'm saying things with, you know, with, with, with firsthand evidence. Yes. Wow. I mean, there's so much, so much to unpack from what you just said. And I mean, like I said, this is literally the first time I'm hearing some of this and there are yeah. a lot of lessons that um, I will be taking from this whole ordeal, but um I mean, I, I just wanted to make something clear before we continue, especially to men, because there's this ideology in Africa, especially that men are not, men don't show emotions. And some men may hear your story and they may start giving themselves a reason as to why they shouldn't show a woman emotions because a woman would treat them badly. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. um, I mean, honestly, from what you're saying about, you know, just being nice to her and going out of your way and doing all of those things, I don't even look at that as as um, you doing it because you're doing it for the relationship. That's naturally who you are. You know what I mean? Like you're mm -hmm. not really a nice person. You go out of your way for people. You want to make sure that everyone is, um, is, is okay, you know? So that's really who you are. And, you know, it just, it's just unfortunate that she took advantage of that person that you are and I hope that you never change from that but Thanks. talking about change it's like sometimes when we find ourselves in a relationship it's like we try to change someone like you said and you can't change someone um if they don't want to change right it's not a one-man battle you can't change someone or you can help someone even God can help us if we can if we don't want to change yeah or if we don't want to help ourselves right so it's like I know Maya Angelou has this quote like when someone shows you who they are you believe them 
right so yeah. it's like we always we tend we tend to especially when we have some kind of connection with someone you know it could be a friendship it could be a romantic connection or it just could be a caring like we just care for someone or we look up to someone we always create this ideology of who we want them to be or at least who we think they are that we tend to get blindsided blindsided and ignore who they truly are who they're yeah. really showing us to be if that makes sense yeah you know so i believe this was a perfect example of that because she was literally showing you who she was but yeah you had this idea this ideology of who you really wanted her to be or who you thought she was you know so she would do certain things and you could be like oh no this is not this cannot be her this is not who i envision this is not who god will send into my life you know yeah and you know talking about pressure like my previous episode about divorce there's i don't know there's there's always this pressure that we put sometimes we could be our our worst enemy. There's always this pressure that we put upon ourselves, especially as Africans. You know, nobody even pressures us, but we start by pressuring ourselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, you have to get married. Oh, you have to, you know, everyone else is doing this, but you have to, you have to do this, or I have to do this. Like, sometimes we have to take a step back and yeah. just, you know, take it easy on ourselves and just trust in God's timing for those who are, you know, religious. Like we have to trust in God's timing or yeah. at least the universe's timing and know that whatever is ours will always be ours. Destiny can never be denied. It can only be de de delayed, you know? So, I mean, um, there, there, there's, like I said, there's just so much yeah. to unpack from this. And I know you're talking about, you know, when you made the, when you got married, like when did you actually make that decision to get married to her? Like, why did you make that decision despite you know all the red flags that you saw was it that you wanted her closer to you or you actually just really wanted to you know you were just bent on fixing her um <laughs> so that's an excellent question um I think part of this was 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 you know two are better than one and I think I was looking for I was looking for a companion, you know, right. someone that, you know, at least we're alike enough for companionship and then different enough for relationship and things like that. So when we reconnected, uh, which in hindsight, when I looked back all the previous years, I realized that I was pushing it more than mm -hmm. she was pushing. And I did not step back to kind of reflect because I believe that, you know, a, a, a relationship like this, you know, between um, a man and a woman should be mutual. People should want to be with each other. Yeah. One person should not feel like, you know, the other partner is doing them a favor. Yeah. And so I, I don't think I really stopped, you know, to really reflect on some of those things. And, um, and things carried on, you know what I mean? Things carried on like that. Part mm -hmm. of the pressure came from myself and part of it was based on my own timing. You know, that time is going by, you know, I'm already yeah. in my, you know, in my early thirties, mm -hmm. my friends already have one or two or three kids, you know, and, and things like that. So I succumbed to that. So even when I saw the red flags, what I was thinking in my mind was how many decades again, I haven't known anyone. And yeah. so I was like, this is it. So that is what I was telling myself. So but I must just digress a little bit, even though it's really not a digression to, it's not, I wasn't desperate. It was not like, I mean, I have very close people around me that I really do respect, you know, that would bounce off idea of, uh, from each other, yeah. you know? So uh, I shared it with them. It's not like I told them that I was, it has to be this person. If not, you know, I'm not going to, no, 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 no. I, I, no, I never went that route. To be honest with you, like six months before the wedding, I mean, by then we had already, we had already added, we'd already gone through engagement. We'd already signed in court. Literally it was a signing. We had not consummated the relationship and things like that. We signed and then she went back to, she went back to the UK. And when I started seeing some things, I mean, it was, <laughs> I don't know what to say. There were, there were all kinds of things going on. And when I shared it with one of my very close people, he almost, he almost his exact words, I cannot really quote him verbatim, but it was along the lines of, it's too late to turn back. Oh and you know, we, we, we can say it's good that we have very strong opinions. We do our own research and things and things like that. But there's no denying that the people that we have around us to also have a huge influence, influence. you know, 
over our lives. There's no denying. So, so it, it got me to a place. And because I trusted him so much, you know, this good friend of mine who made that comment. So I, I got more into that. I will fix you mindset, you know, yeah. which if you look at carefully, I mean, I'm just then I'm just talking about what I've learned now, but on hindsight, always trying to fix someone. Uh, it, it, it's, it's almost like you're not accepting them for who they are, but yeah, I did not, yeah. I did not quite notice that you know and no one really allowed me to cry if you know what i mean yeah i come from africa and it, it looks like the, the the message that they pass across to men is that men don't cry it is oh, said yeah. in different ways even without saying it so sometimes it takes away the vulnerability you know yeah. and sometimes even when the men act appropriately vulnerable not weak appropriately yes. appropriately vulnerable some yeah. of the women even look at it as a you know as a, as a weakness yeah. so guess what i had to I had to man up I, exactly thank you I had to man <laughs> up you know <laughs> this is how men do it but right. I mean from from that point on no one really listened to me I mean they heard what I was saying but like they say it entered one ear and went out through the mm -hmm. other ear yeah. and whatever she said eventually they're like oh um Femi you need to do this Femi you need to do that and I was like wait a minute guys I have known you for a decade, for two decades, for three decades, this person has just shown up in my life and suddenly I'm talking about these things that are not going right. I just want to make sure I'm not rash. And then, but I, I don't think you're listening to what I'm saying and things like that. So even among my friendship, among my community, I'm talking about strong community that we're we are, uh, built, we are, we are built together for like seven, 10 years before this lady came into my life in the United States, yeah. this, you know, I started feeling this sense of isolation. isolation. I started feeling like I wasn't being heard, you know, and, and things like that. And so she, um, I'm glad this whole thing is just, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of anonymity involved in the whole thing because yeah. um, she, she was a master manipulator. Yeah. And, um, you know, the bone mass, talk about the science or the biology of men, the, the muscle mass, the everything, the strength. So do you look at the man, you assume that if there's any trouble, probably it's coming from the man. So the, the ladies who are manipulative, like my ex-spouse um, was, they just know how to play along. So I, I mean, she could push a button. And then before I know it, you know, she's calling one of my very close people. Because what I did was, when she came here, I wanted her to feel at home. So mm -hmm. I took her to each of my very close people. I, I meant exactly that. I took her to A, to B, to C, to D. So she knew exactly the, 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 the level of relationship and the length of relationship that we have built mm -hmm. and, and things like that. So she exploited that to her advantage. In, in fact, one of them, it took him, it took him like, I don't know, a couple of years after the separation to even to, I mean, he called me and apologized, you know, that, you know, it took him this long to even realize to even, so he heard what I was saying after all of this time had passed. Why? Simply because, you know, um, you know, I'm a man and things like that. Right. So yeah, it was just in so many, so many dimensions and so many levels. I'm talking that we are together. We, you know, we, we have kids, we have, we have kids together mm. and and there was always this the least thing that because no relationship i believe i believe in i believe in relationship i believe in family i yes. believe in all of those things none of them is perfect but there are a lot of excellent ones yeah. so yeah but but what i noticed about us was that each time we had a little difference she would always throw out a d word it was like a card i want a divorce hmm. I, I, I mean when i say a minute difference i mean a difference i'm not even talking about a fight she was like, I want a divorce. So um, I don't, um, I just looking back, like looking back to our own life and, and, and what even actually transpired to in our own relationship. I know that she, she came from a broke, from a broken home and anyone coming from a broken home, I'm sure they can understand me. It is not a curse. A lot of homes are dysfunctional. It does not mean that the, 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 the products and byproducts will be, will be dis dysfunctional. People get help along the way. So, but I'm just talking about this in context. She came from a broken home and unfortunately, I believe along the way there was really, there was really no one to help her. You know, yeah. her dad and, and her parents separated and after divorced when she was still very young, you know, her dad got married to someone else. And she experienced a lot of um, abuse in that relationship, uh, being abused by her, by her then stepmother. 
when she traveled to the United Kingdom, she because her mom was there too. So she, when she went and met her mom there, that was when she even realized that her mom too was with another person. I don't recall if it was a marriage or it was just a boyfriend, but yeah. whoever this man was in her mom's life, he was abusing her mom physically and he was abusing her verbally to yeah. the point where she was on the verge of suicide at some point. Wow of her life and all of this happened when I received letters that she wrote me about things and you know about those about those things and mm -hmm. then at the same time what was going on is that her dad her dad was her dad is her dad is still with his with his with his new wife I mean this is we're talking about stories of many 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 years ago mm -hmm. but the story that was had gone into her ear is about what her dad did um, and so on and so forth it's all all about her dad's fault you know like they say like even like the Bible says, the first person who speaks, you know, they sound right until you hear the, you know, the, the their their counterparts or their interlocutors' um, own point of view and things yeah, like that. Both sides of the story, right? Exactly. Yes. Thanks. So she carried this grudge in her the whole time. Well, I mean, from years, I don't think she even knew that it was there. You, you know, I thought, I'm sure before she even realized what was going on, it was building up in her so much. Yes. How do I know it? Because the time that we could spend together qualitatively as husband and wife, she spent that time whining about her dad. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. This okay. is someone who needed a lot of help and did not even know. Um, complained a lot about her dad on days like Father's Day that you think that it would just it would be a special day for me and her, and Father's Day for me, Mother's Day for her. Those, those are the days that she would choose to complain about her dad. I mean, it it threw me in a very. I, I think it was manipulation, learned or unlearned, but it threw me in a very guilty place because it's almost like, but this is my special day. Come on, why yeah. you bring your dad into, into the picture? And so it continued, it continued. At some point I actually jumped in and I was like, listen, um, I, I don't know what happened, but I, but I know there is something about forgiveness that you know can really help you and your dad i'm sorry what you really went through but don't you think you probably just had your own mom's side of the story and things like that so it, it turns out too that she had so much grudge against her mom and, and which which is so deep um, and what we're saying is really so deep because as we reflect on it i'm just thinking about the effect of divorce on children so mm -hmm. she had carried a lot of things in her and it felt like the first kind of stable environment she really had was in our relationship. But you know, at the same time, that was the place where she started pouring out all sorts of hatred, malice, you know, that was that was within her. And she even used a statement that Rick Warren quotes often that hurt people hurt others. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so I'm like, so why are you saying that to me? Like you've brought all the hurt and so you want to throw it at me? We, we are not enemies, we are a team. So, but I mean, it kind of went like that. I felt like, I mean, I might be wrong, but I felt like I was the first kind of stable person that she met who didn't just want her for her body. And, and, she, and it almost felt like this is not normal. This is not normal life, you know, yeah. because she had actually made the statement that the events that have transpired in her life have brought her to a very low place of self-worth, of self-dignity and self-esteem to the point where she felt like the only way she would feel um, um, loved is by giving herself to men. And that was a life that she lived all along. And so there was little surprise that, you know, not long into our relationship, there was really adultery involved in, in it and things like that. So, but, you know, so there was this accumulation. So just think about it for a moment, what I was trying to fix. This is something that started years ago when I, you know, I was just a, I was just a young man and things have happened over time. And here was I, her husband, yeah. trying to fix things, but it was deeper, you know, it was deeper than that. And on hindsight, as I reflect on it, I honestly feel like she was not I feel like she was trying to run away from the environment where she was in the UK. Right. She wasn't happy about it. And I feel like she was just looking for someone who is level-headed enough to help her. I don't think she was really looking like ready, whatever ready means, you know, people ready might have different, marriage. yeah, ready for marriage. Yes, because I tell you what, when she came here, um, I put her through school, put her through the first school, <laughs> put her through another, an another school here. Uh, you know and each of those schools there was always, always an issue with some 
you know, anyways, so there was always an issue with some other relationship going on, but we, we kind of roughed our way through because it wasn't easy. It is yeah. a very isolating thing in a relationship to wait all those years and then you think that this is someone who will be committed to you. Mm. Temptation is out there for everyone, but some despite the temptation who will be committed to you. But you know, I found myself in this place of aloneness, in this place of emptiness, in this place of isolation. You know, mm. I was like, it, it's different when you are alone and single than to than when you're you are with someone exactly exactly so I, I went through that it was very torturous to say the least you know it's it's to me it's a form of abandonment because i mean i, I wasn't cheating i wasn't yeah I, I was i had waited all those while i'm she was having fun <laughs> she was mm -hmm. having other people there until there was a day she i mean she boldly told me that we had a little argument. She boldly told me that she is the one keeping the relationship. And in, in response, I was like, what else is it there that you can tell me you're the one keeping it? Because she was like, she's the, she's the one keeping the relationship because if she opens her mouth and says something, says some things, you know, this relationship will be over. You don't say that to someone that you really love. Yeah. So those, it was obvious. That, I mean, she, I think she respected me, but I don't, whatever it means, oh, needed me, but I think she, she wanted me. You. Yes, yes. And I really had to, it was a, how do you say, it was an eye opener. A rude awakening. It, yes, a rude awakening for me. It gave me an opportunity to grieve, but to also accept the reality of it. And I made peace with myself because it took some time to, to really dawn on me that this person, she needs you to walk her through this life. You guys are already married, but she doesn't really want to be with you. I mean, because she will make comments she was like oh left to her she would get married should have got married to a person who is this who is that who is this and she'll give all the other traits or attributes that i don't have mm -hmm. take note this is not a matter of low self-esteem on my part yeah but it's someone that i don't even know if they knew what they wanted and then i was like wait you are not um, manipulated you are not forced you are not coerced coerced or you're not you are not forced into this relationship why get into it you've known so many people before me why did you get married to one of them why didn't one of them get married to you why did you have to go through this you come to someone you in in their life you get into their house and then you start making those you know those right. those type of comments right. it was very torturous um to say the least uh it made me feel more and more alone because it wasn't like someone says it and then they're like oh i'm sorry even though you might ask but where did that come from but it was backed by adultery it was backed by numerous lies it was backed by you know even in marriage your, your partner your your wife just disappears <laughs> she shows up after a couple of days and you, you know this is the united states of america you have to for men self-control i mean of course for everyone but you know your self-control is more important than trying to make another person be what you want them um you know you want them yeah. to be yeah. It's just too many parts to the whole thing True. going on. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for, you know, just opening up and, you know, just, I mean, for being so vulnerable. I mean, you, you always end up saying so much and um, there is so much, again, to unpack from what you're saying. And there were a few points that I actually had to write down because I didn't want to forget to yeah. highlight or point out certain things. Now, um, I just want people to realize that the extent of the emotional abuse that you actually went through in this relationship, because that is like some serious emotional and even verbal abuse that yeah. you went through in the relationship. And um, this is just pure evidence. And I, 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 I swear that this discussion is not made up for those who cannot believe this is not made up. This is a real life story that a very confident and gracious African man has experienced. It's rather yeah. unfortunate, but this is definitely a story that is worth hearing. I mean, I cannot stress enough, like it has nothing to do with your self-esteem. It has nothing to do with your manhood. It's just, it has actually everything to do with the perpetrator, with the person who was treating you that way. And you were gracious and patient enough to handle that. So um, I just want us to really, um, rather appreciate the extent of emotional abuse that you went through mm -hmm. and also something that men, real men go through. And the whole ideology that men don't cry, that's one thing that I personally cannot stand. Yeah. It, it 
actually suppresses a lot of men. We're so used to women not being heard. We're so used to women uh, being hushed or women just told to suck it up and stop. But men actually tend to go through worse because number one, um, it takes a lot for a man to open up to someone. And then for them to assume that men do not cry. You know, uh, I mean, a woman naturally or maybe typically a woman will complain about you know open up about the the smallest things right but men always when you see a man trying to open up to you you know that things are bad yeah so, um the whole ideology that men don't cry i feel like that's what's killing our community even more and i believe that we should men should equally be heard as much as women you know and yeah Talking about um, when you spoke about her, her, her past, I mean, it's, it's very, very um, obvious that unresolved trauma actually can make people, can either make or break people, right? There are some people who have gone through trauma and um, they choose to not be like what they've gone through. And then there are some other people that, um, especially when they have that trauma that's unresolved, it's like it actually makes them so bitter at life and just people in general and even at themselves. You know, people usually tend to treat you based on how they feel about themselves. And yeah. I'm glad that you you seem to have gotten that because that did not shake your confidence. That did not shake your, um, your self-esteem because you knew that she probably did not even know what she wanted. That's why she was acting that way. Yeah. So another lesson that um, it's very important for us to... Um, really know the people and their past, people that we're getting into a lifetime of uh, marriage with, you know, because some, and sometimes we may know, but like I said, going back to the previous statement that I made, we still stick to this idea or this ideology of who we want them to be or who we think they are, that we get so blindsided that yep. it makes us actually, you know, ignore who they are truly showing us to be you know, who they're truly showing us that they are. So we have to really always pray for that discernment. We always have to have that discernment to really know who is, who is right and who, who is there, who has true intentions and who is there to manipulate us. Even though at the same time, it tends to be very difficult, especially when you're in love, love Mm -hmm. can blindside you as well. So, um, I really commend you and thank you for opening up to this extent. Now, um, I mean, considering the fact that you already told us about her past and everything, like, did you consider all of this before um, proposing to her? And um, what did you tell yourself, like, when you saw all these red flags, but still decided to get married to her? I'm going to fix her. I'm going to fix it and everything will be all right. This is just for a moment. It's going to pass away. That's what I told myself. That's what I lied to myself. And, um, you know, part of it was my ignorance. I, I, I keep saying that it was not desperation. Part of it was my ignorance. That is how I understood life and and things like that. That's how I understood that that is what it takes to be a man. You know, we can get all kinds of wonderful teachings on this earth, but the one that goes into our heart, that is who we really are. And which is why I'm glad, like some of the things you mentioned, it just reminded me of what one of my very good friends said, that if a person shows you who they are, pay attention. If you knew this person in high school and there are other behaviors showing maybe after 20 years of meeting pay attention to that don't get stuck with uh you know this is how he was or she was everywhere so i think i i haven't learned about her past you would think that this was time for me to back out of the relationship it was um It's, I don't know if I should call it the curse of love. I'm just looking for the right um, phrase to really really caption it. Right, fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) I know because, yes, on the one hand, you see things about this person that you like. And then on the other hand, it's like a blind spot. You know, you see the evil and then you, 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 and then you use the good to make up for the evil. So that is what I, I believe that is part of what is called an enable and an, to be an enabler, you know, which, which is not a positive term in this in this scenario. And I think I was kind of being that. I, if I had stood up, um, I, if I had stood up and backed out, it would have been less damage. Yeah. Um, I, I attempted that once, you know, I was like, this is over. And she was like, oh, you're the one who said you're going to get married to me and things like that and stuff like that. And I succumb to it, especially after that. Sometimes if we don't really step back, when I say step back, I mean step back emotionally. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we just, and, and no matter how much we love or care about someone, sometimes it's good to put those emotions aside and then address them because they, they have shown repeatedly that they are very valuable, but they are not good leaders. I'm talking about emotions. So to the point where I was blindsided by my own emotions, you know, that's how I got deeper and deeper into the trench. So I just had one thing in mind. I was going to fix her, (laughs) you know, and then things will be all right. Happily ever after. My good friend told me, um, Femi, you you know, it's be patient, Femi. I'm telling you, just be patient. You know, it may take some time. It's like working on a farm. You know, you don't see the result. And then after a couple of years, bam you know, things come out. I mean, he could say that, I don't know his experience. They said advice is one of the cheapest commodities. I I, I bought the commodity. He he did not force it on me. I did not know any better. And I wrote along with, I wrote along with all of those things, but you remember I was the one in the relationship. And we, there was, there were a couple of attempts, which I, in hindsight, it was not mutual. It was me trying to lead her. It was me trying to change her. It, that's not, it, that is not good leadership. <laughs> I, I say it with a healthy sense of self-esteem, but that's really not good leadership. People, we, are, we were adults, we are adults. People have to want to do something and, and things like that. I, why do I say this? Uh, um, because even while in a relationship, I proposed, I, again, we did not agree. Yeah. Not that we disagreed, but I proposed, and so she played along. I proposed that we should seek um, professional counseling. We're talking to a pastor or, or more uh, here and there, but I was talking about professional counseling. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> someone has to want to get help. <laughs> Otherwise, the best knowledge on this earth will not even make the slightest change on them. She went. She went because I said so, hmm. not because she found a need to. I, I, I think there was so much. I remember one of the one of the sessions we we there was a there was a time when we went individually, and um, I just don't want to get into the details because what whatever was said in the sessions was used against me. She was not even doing what the counselor was asking her to do, you know, for self help and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and. Um, <clears throat> anyways um but so but one i remember this session we were there together and in that session even though we had, we had talked about the adulterous thing at least that was one of the occasions where she actually confessed it but but this was how she put it she was like now that she's been in an adulterous affair she has got my attention and i'm thinking what are you talking about oh yes oh yes i am not making this up god bears me witness you know, and um, um, this is a couple, many years have gone by. So it's not like this is something fresh. You yeah. know, I had to, I had to go through a, a therapeutic cell um, forgiveness thing, not for, not for her sake, but for the sake of my heart. So yeah. I'm in a stable place talking about this thing, you know, and, and things like that. So, but she mentioned that to, to the, she's very eloquent and she has some good qualities in, in her, no doubt about that. And sometimes you know, if if you don't if you don't, if you don't know where you're standing, you may get you may easily get swayed. You know, by those things. Mm-hmm. It's so so anyway. So I saw some things in the session. She mentioned those kind of things there, and then guess what? After that session, her mom learned that we were seeing a professional um, counselor out there. We were seeing a therapist. It was not cheap. It was expensive but not nearly as expensive as the, as the divorce process, which is right. that's a conversation for some other time. Because yeah. they, they say that if you think that um, therapy is expensive, then try divorce. Hmm. So it, it was expensive, no doubt, but it was nothing near the, what the divorce process was. But let me just stick with the point I was trying to make. When her mom learned that we were going, we've seen a professional counselor, her mom sent her this long text message. i read it she was like be very careful with femi because he is trying to use this to gather evidence against you to use in the legal system to you know an appropriate reason to file for a a divorce okay 
I was, I don't know. I was, I was lifeless. I was motionless. I was speechless. I just don't know because that was the most classless and ignorant thing you could ever <laughs> say to someone. I, I said I was an enabler, but I, I mean, I, I was nowhere near how much her own mom enabled, enabled her in negativity even mm. though she's an adult that she take i mean so even though she's an adult she takes responsibility for her actions i'm not taking responsibility for that but i'm I, when i <laughs> when i read it i was thinking to myself how ignorant how ignorant first of all there was already evidence of adultery which you know the legal system in my state you know it's it's, it's legal grounds for divorce yeah and and all of those things there was abandonment which i could not really which i could not really prove if you know what i mean but the adultery was enough so if i wanted to use that adultery had already happened and we're trying to work our way through it which was another low moment in the relationship so from that point on i i just knew it i just knew it that this was a waste of money this was a waste of time believe it or not that was how it ended and in the comments that followed it was evident that i was the one pushing for it her yeah. heart wasn't there. So, but as we're talking, we time is going by in, in the relationship. Yeah. And um, she was in school. I put her in some school here because she had come, she wasn't working and so on and so forth. And um, then one of her, <laughs> one of her, her daughter's partners, one of her boyfriends, she actually told the guy that, um, that as soon as she's done with that school, I'm the one paying for the school. I'm the one sponsoring just about everything. That as soon as she's done with the school, she was going. She was going to leave. It's not even the guy that she's with today, if you know what I mean. So it's sometimes yeah. we don't even know what we 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 want. So, but that's all of those things I'm saying. I have first hand evidence. It was not hearsay. No one gets married with the intent of getting divorced. Yeah. It, it, so it's all of those things that went on. So um, it 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 did not help that I was trying to to. Help. I was like, listen. I was like, listen. It will. If, if we have just the basic necessities for a year, food, shelter, clothing, forgo any vacation, forgo any eating out, only for a year compared to the rest of our lives, and we seek professional counseling. Matter of fact, I even quoted her, Rick Warren is some preacher in some state here in the United States. I even quoted Rick Warren to her that Rick Warren has, you know, has, he once talked about his life with his wife in the early days that there was in, there was so much different they had so much differences that they spent one year counseling wasn't cheap but they spent one year just going to a counselor just today he, he's in his 60s i'm sure they've been married maybe at least 40 years now or more and they are still together so i was just saying those things but you know those were my thoughts i, I don't know just think about it for a moment how do you how do you engage someone who is either a yes or a no, who is not adding something or maybe taking yeah. something, at least in the conversation. That was where I found myself. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? So what do you think? How should we, you know, how should we, how come, okay, what do you have in mind? I, I want this thing to work. I wasn't crazy. I was, I, yes, I, this, it was, this is my, when it comes to me, this wasn't about a third party. I'm so far from that. I am here but we have to go through it whatever the holes are and you know and the pitfalls we have to walk through this together not my friends your friends you know mother father paternal maternal marital whatever none of them is going to fix this for us we have to take ownership but it felt like somehow it was supposed to have already been fixed so it, it, again it was it was not all of these ideas about seeking counseling counseling even though we, we tried it wasn't met with reciprocity and yeah. so things just kept going down and down the, the drain. The abuse did not stop. In fact, <laughs> there, were even, there were even evidences of physical, you know, physical yeah. abuse in the relationship. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, when did, you know, we've, we've really elaborated on the uh, emotional abuse and people will probably think that, you know, that's about it. But <laughs> there was actually a huge chunk of domestic and physical abuse. So when did that actually start and how did it start? Um, I, um, you know, this, I, where do I begin? I, I asked someone a question. Um, if I, if I drink, if I drink once every two years, does that make me a, a drinker? I'm, I'm not saying a drunk. 
or let me put it this way if i cheat on my husband mm-hmm. um once every five years does that make it an adultery does that make me a cheat or not I, i'm saying this just finding my way to your question right you know if 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 you saw evidence of physical abuse or any form of domestic abuse you know if it, if it's not every day if it is every month or once a year or once every two years is that an abusive relationship or not so i, I mean in my opinion you you cannot really give what you have because again if it's coming from your heart then it's coming from somewhere it's not coming it's not neutral it's not like a mispronounced word and you correct yourself immediately it is coming from somewhere so uh, this is just going back i feel like her exposures to you know to the abuse that she went through i mean it was she went through different kinds of abuse herself growing up from a very early age which i really feel sorry about you know and you know because there was really an absence of there was really an absence of proper care at some point of her life and so strangers helped themselves and um, so i think the abuse along the line that she was exposed to both in africa and in europe you know they just they just kept adding up and i don't think she she took god mind and, and 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 then she was like okay when i get married i'm going to do um bruce lee on my husband or something of that sort you know but it just it just came it, was it once absolutely not not sometimes it starts with 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 shoving i i'm mm. when i and then then before you know it, it, it then it grows it, it grows a little a little bit more than 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 that so i, I remember it, i remember his situation I, i don't remember what she was upset about but when i actually came and lay next to her um in bed she actually she actually like she she pushed me when i say push i mean a push that landed me on the floor and so it was like okay that's that's just an isolated um incident or situation okay then a couple of months later something else happened now you to be honest with you i did not stop to think that is what happens sometimes with in, a, in an abusive cycle sometimes you don't even know that it is an ab, an abuse yeah. because they know sometimes why it is going on other good things are happening in the relationship you yeah. know you have a companion and, and and all of those things so sometimes you tend to forget then something else happens again it is it might be killing something in the inside of you or in your relationship and you don't even realize it it took So these things went on and on and on and on and on. One little thing here, one little thing, uh one little thing there. And and things like that. And I was I was very careful when I say very careful is because you know, I keep I keep, you know, touching on the whole legal thing because I kind of have an idea of things here because when you look online you you see statistics on domestic violence what do you see you first Amen. the the first thing that thank you is women the victims are the women you know the perpetrators you know are, are the men and things like that so it's almost like as a man you have to prove yourself twice i was just reading up something you know and um and what the writer said was i don't remember the way i i i read that from but basically what they were saying is that a lot of you know domestic abuse goes unreported whether it's abuse between partners or against children or things like that on both parties but there's a whole lot more reported by women than about men so all of these things are happening um sometimes you we almost make justification for the abuser maybe they're just having a bad day or sometimes we 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 are thrown into a guilt cycle sometimes it almost turns into narcissism you 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 they throw your mind into a place into a place of triangulation and you start thinking you know maybe it is that so you see you are taking the focus away from them and then they cry tomorrow and then two weeks later the cycle repeats itself you are abusing again one way or another or six months later or just things just things like that within those times your friends are inviting you you're going for this wedding you're wearing your matching african outfit <laughs> and things like that so people envy you and things like that it's like facebook you know yeah. and then it, but the abuse is going on because if this in the foundation it, it does not matter how much you beautify the the, the building if the foundation is rotten it's just a matter of time it will crumble and yeah. that is what was happening with us it was crumbling we were trying to see we, we were not fully committed to any path of healing because we were not working in that direction as one so we just kept going and we kept we kept struggling until this the straw that broke the camel's back was when she put her hands on me in the most violent way possible uh 
for the whole, from the time I was born till this day, no one has ever, I'm talking about a woman, it takes a lot out of me as a man to even mention this. From the time I was born till this day, no one has ever put their hands on me that way. So uh, she, she was upset about something Mm-hmm. And um, there was a little bit of tension. When, again, when you introduce a third party in your relationship, you, you then they, they, how do you say this? The, the sacredness of of the relationship of the relationship is, is already is already compromised. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm I'm trying to remember from the kitchen. Then she went out. I was out on the balcony. We were on some second floor bu- building. This is. And so she, she was trying to say something down and um, she did not like my response because I did not want to listen to what she said. You want to talk to me, then talk to me inside the house. So I walked away while she was still, talk, she was still talking. She was out in the parking lot. I was on the balcony of the second floor. Yeah. And um, well, as, I saw, as I was walking away, oh my goodness, I saw the, the swiftness with which she made a U-turn charging back up you know hmm. she carried then we already we already had kids she carried one of the children she had one of the children in her hand and then as she was coming and i saw the way she was coming knowing what i've experienced before <laughs> i went straight into one of the rooms in the house i locked the door i did not just close it i mean I, that i locked it from the inside right. so she came up the flight of stairs to the second floor opened the door with the key she had. And when she approached the room where I was, she was banging and I did not open. I had bam, bam, bam. That's the anger, the rage, the fury, everything that has happened to her in her whole life. I'm sure she wow. confessed in that, in that one moment. And she broke that door. <laughs> she yeah. broke that door, yeah. As, I still have the picture of that to, to this day, you know, because the door wasn't fixed immediately. But when she was doing all of that, I, I scrambled, I reached out for my phone. I was very, I mean, <laughs> you don't understand. Yeah. Someone who has been through, I've had people who have lost limbs, lost an eye, you know, or and things like that. Mine wasn't up to that level, but it was traumatic enough, you yeah. know, my feelings, my thought, and, my, and all of those things. That is not the natural way of life. So yeah. once she's doing that, I reached out for my phone really quickly. I was just trying, I was like, hopefully by the time she sees my phone, trying to video her as she bumps in, she'll, 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 be, she'll be scared. Uh, like I said, she had a child in her hand wow. and that did not even, she, the force that she hit that door, she landed on the floor wow. with, with my, yes. I had another child with me sitting on a, on, a, on a desk and then I, and then I took this phone out. That did not mean anything. Wherever her hand reached, she grabbed me. It happened so quickly and so fast. She grabbed that phone to flung the phone and the phone broke. So that's how I could not even record any of those things. I mean that she landed on the floor, left one child on the floor, grabbed, grabbed me to the floor with the other child on the floor. And then she climbed on my back. When I say pounding and pouncing, she took out all the venom that was in her. <laughs> oh my goodness. Bam, 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 bam. And, and at some point, you know, I, I was like, you, you know, I, I started groaning in pain just, just to get her, just to get her off me. I don't know whatever she was saying, but it was on the back of my neck, her finger. She just, I don't think she was even thinking through the process. I don't know what got into her. But it was, this is, this is not an isolation because just in, just by the way, she had mentioned something that she had done similarly to someone in a previous relationship before, um, you know, before she got to me. So, so I'm saying this as a man, because some, the thing is, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do before that happened? If you do not have, and some of that's the guilt that we go through the process. Yeah. What did I do wrong? And so we get, we get stuck. And we get which we, we just shut down and we just be because it's like they were always they're always gonna ask that question. But back to the whole scenario, she did that, and then as soon as I got the slightest um, um relief, I got out of that position immediately. Think about it, <laughs> these children, both of them were under four years old. Oh my goodness, both of them were under four years old. I mean that she pounded, they were screaming, they don't know they don't, you, you don't even. You don't even know. <laughs> as I, as soon as I got the slightest way, I ran. I, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you from the depth of my heart, 
God bears me witness, I did not put even one finger on her. I mean, like I did not, I did not even struggle to like push her away because I felt like all of that was just to get me to, to, to prevaricate and then it's going to be grounds for her. I, I, I know it, this has happened to one of my friends. He, whatever was happening with he and his wife, he was a neighbor who called the police. As soon as the police came, they, they took him, <laughs> they separated him from his wife and they locked him up. So I, I know those things, how people set traps up and it so happened that this lady too was her, was her friend. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't, as, as soon as I got that little gap, I, I, I got up straight and I went straight to the living room. She followed me there. Think about it. These children are less than four. They don't even know what to do. These are the adults who are supposed to be protecting us. What is going on here? Their brains cannot even wrap, wrap around it. And then so she still kept hitting me as I went and I went to the living room. I did not even know what to do. Take, my phone was already broken, take note. So I, I went back to that second, to the balcony outside, just hoping that maybe from the eyes of onlookers, she will be scared. <laughs> she did not stop. She did not, she did not stop. She just, she kept hitting me out of the whatever thing she was saying. And, it, and so as she kept doing that, I said, this is not working. I walked back into, into the living room and she continued. She continued until when she had had enough. Now she, she bundled both children. So before, prior to the act, she had one child with her going out and then I had the other child with me. Now she bought both of them. She was like, give me these children. I did not, I did not. I mean, how do you deal with that kind of rage? I don't know how um, God protected me, um, you know, to the, because all it needed was just one response that she did not like. And then she would have, she would have used her own phone to do whatever she wanted to do. And she bought both children and she left. Oh my goodness. Left because we had just one car then, got into the car. As soon as she left, I didn't know what was going on, but my, I think my blood pressure was very high because I, did, I, I could feel all types of things. There was blood on the back of my neck and not on the neighbor's, very next door neighbor's um, doors, those apartments um here they you know yeah. and not but, but no one opened i don't think um my neighbor was in so guess what i did i had to walk to the nearest my phone was destroyed i i wasn't even looking for the police i was looking for an ambulance because i don't know what was going on with me i was well hit i mean she poured out her venom on me i walked to the nearest store which was a which was a giant i i walked for about 15 15 20 minutes and um, I just I just went to the nearest cashier or whatever there you call it manager. I said I've just been seriously beaten by by my wife. How do you say that? I, I, who even first of all believes is, you? It's, it's like yeah. hearing yes. that. It's just then, like laugh. It's 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 not laughable. It, like <laughs> what you did, like what happened to you, but it's unbelievable. Yes. You know I mean? Like it, it's not the normal. It's no. Not the norm. No. Know. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo. Fombard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.